Thank you for downloading this episode of Nels Nelson's Interesting People. Today I interview a constable from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, Constable Travis Petkow. And it's a great one. It's like all of them. It's, I always learn something. I learn a little bit about the history, the tradition, and the legacy of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. And what drives Travis to be a police officer. We share a few of the stories about what it takes to become a police officer in the RCMP and why Travis became a police officer. We talk about similarities between other services that deal in the emergency services and working with the public sector and all of that and more in this episode of Nels Nelson's Interesting People where I interview Constable Travis Petkow of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Enjoy. Let's get to this. My guest today is a, is a constable in the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, Travis Petkow. Travis, how are you? I'm good, man. Can you hear me okay? Or what? I, I sure can. You're you're there. Um, I'll try to be quiet while I eat the last slice of my pizza here, but um, I'm just. <laughs> I, uh, I won't eat. I won't eat while I interview you. Well, I'm Promise. using I'm using uh, PlayStation equipment to do this because I have no <laughs> idea what I'm doing. So, well, it's working. You're you're not feedbacking or anything. Well, maybe I'll need to take this on the road with me too. Then that's right. Maybe I'll think I'm playing games while I'm driving around. <laughs> while you're cruising around the the mean streets of rural Alberta. Yes, sir. Anyway, so how are things? How's everything going? How how's you? How's the family? Good, man. Uh, just trying to you know stay safe with everything going on here and take one day at a time obviously uh the world's kind of in a little bit of a stop here but um you know two-year-old two and a half year old keeps you pretty busy through the day right so uh, yeah well i don't have to tell you that i mean you're a, you're a pro when it comes to kids so well not as much of a pro as my wife is <laughs> success successful house is a really really good wife and a good hey. mom but hey I'll take all the credit if, if you want to give me the credit. Uh, I've met your wife. I think that she deserves all the credit. So I, I will agree with you. <laughs> uh, um, Heather was asking, does your wife work? Yeah, 24 hours a day as a full-time mom. That's what I said, too. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. Like, yeah. So. yeah. I'm one of those men who, you know, forced my wife to stay at home and raise kids. I'm kidding. I didn't. Uh, with her, <laughs> I couldn't get my wife to do anything. She's a very strong-willed woman. So... Uh, Nice, nice, nice way to back it up there and make sure that when she listens to your podcast or hears you, <laughs> you know what? She loves me so much, Travis. She'll never listen to any of my podcasts. That's probably <laughs> that's, a good thing. <laughs> that's why you guys are still together, right? So, that's right. She's just yeah. like, yeah, go do your podcast. Leave me alone. Yeah. Whatever. That's kind of like, yeah, go play in the sandbox. Whatever. It's, it's kind of like my wife. She's like, just go back. She's like, go to your dungeon for a little bit here, and then yeah, it's play know. play video games, go to work, or podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mine's not podcast, but it's usually play video games for sure. There you go. Yes. So uh, you being an RCMP officer with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, for those listening in other countries, we're going to stick with RCMP because, hey, why not? Or Mounties. Mm -hmm. Does that that name bother? Be called Mounties? No. No? No. That's what you are? It is. I mean, that's pretty much what they uh, classify us as, right? So... Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I mean, when you become a Mountie, I think you're doing it not so much for the police work, you're doing it more for the tradition of it, right? So, 
Um, At least that's why I did it, right? You just want to ride a horse and wear a red surge or what? No. Didn't have to... I I don't think I'd even know what to do if a horse came up upon me. I'd be like, uh, call animal control because I have no idea what's going on with this horse. So, uh, yeah. Luckily, luckily for me, I didn't have to experience any of that. I mean, obviously, there's there are opportunities and stuff like you can do the whole musical ride and everything if you want. But uh, I uh, I never grew up on a farm or anything, man. I'm not interested in riding a horse or anything like that. I think I'll stick to uh, a vehicle that I can stay warm in, right? So. <laughs> Oh come on! You don't want to. You don't want to get into the horse. Do yeah. your five years and transfer as a horse. No, uh, musical ride. My grandfather, uh, as you know, I've told you in the past. Like he obviously was a Mountie too, right? And, um, back when he was in, obviously they had to go through all the horse stuff. And he he uh, he didn't work in the in the musical ride, but he he helped train the horses. And like part of the back then, the recruiting was like you had to do a time with the horses. Right. And uh, the nightmare stories that he's told me, man, like about like having to clean up the 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 horse, um, I don't know, the barns and stuff, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> you can and, say all the horse shit. You yeah, can say that. Yeah, the podcast, horse shit. You're yeah. allowed to swear on it. It's okay. Yeah, it's one of those things where I'm, uh, you know, when I, I when I went through myself, I was pretty happy that there wasn't any horses on on uh, depot because. Yeah, that's not my thing, man. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get to a little bit of dep- depot in a bit, yeah. minute and what it's like going through there. But um, there's got to be some places, like some postings, like up north in the Yukon and that, where they might use horses still, right? There's got to be. Uh, I don't think Active, there is, man. I, no? think that the, I think that the horses are kind of like in the past. Re- like it's more They're of replaced a, by quads and yeah, ATVs like, so, and stuff. Yeah, like when you go up north, like in the, U- mm-hmm. the Northwest Territories and stuff, they use a lot like ATVs and snowmobiles right. and, and you know then they have like all their uh, four like four wheel drive trucks and that right but as far as horses go I think that the horses are more of like a traditional aspect now like if you see horses in the Mounties now it's more of a um, you know like the, the musical ride like I said or or there's like or ceremonial things right so right um, so they're more more ceremonial yeah than, like it's it's you know it's one of those service. things where um, the tradition's still there but uh, you know the force has to evolve as it goes on too, right? So, yeah. And you know, it's it's not just the Royal Canadian Mounty Police that use the horses. I mean, you look in the states; they've got horses too. And, you know, it's just one of those things that we're known for, right? So, right. Well, but, yeah, that's why you're the Royal Canadian Mounted Police because you were once upon a time mounted on horses. True enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was also back. Uh, long before we were talking about vehicles too right so, <laughs> exactly and well and, you can't you can't change the traditional name you can't become the royal canadian driving around in pickups police yeah for sure right <laughs> so, yeah yeah just put a saddle on the back of the truck and get in there yeah there so, you go yeah well that wasn't any of my questions it just came up in the conversation i just was wondering because like you said that in the states like i know the nypd they have a mounted division um, that rides around Central Park, I think, in that area they patrol, just because they can't have a car, right? So the police officers are on horses there, but that's not a huge, huge thing. Well, it's, and I mean, like, there's there's a whole mm-hmm. history to it too, right? Um, but I mean, like, because like the RCMP have only been like the Royal Canadian Mounted Police since right. 1920. And what what so, what were they before that? For the little history for listeners, uh, they were. Uh, the Northwest Mounted Police, so right. the NWMP, um, they they were formed in like 1873 or something like that, and 
Um, but basically, the reason why they became the Royal Canadian Police is just because um, they were finally like um, acknowledged by like uh, McDonald, yep. the Prime Minister McDonald. There, he acknowledged them as like the Royal, like that they were the Royal uh, Police Force yep. of the of the Queen. So um, that's why we became the Royal. Uh, Canadian Mounted Police, and and the reason why we wear red is because it actually it represents yep. the British Army, right? So because uh, Canada's a big British background, so you know, like there's a, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of history there that I mean you could look into. Um, but yeah, though, just for for known fact, like we didn't start out as the RCMP Royal Canadian Mounted Police, we started out as yep. Northwest Mounted Police, right? Yeah. So and you're the the um, official protector and, of the Queen when she's over here. Exactly right, and uh, you know, like so, it's just one of those things where it's uh, like I was getting at there with the tradition and thing. I mean, you can go and join um, a municipal police around everything, and, and they have their own history, and you know, they they're uh, just as as qualified to do the job as we are. But at the end of the day, um, the RCMP is identified as the federal the federal force, and the reason for that is because we were appointed by. Uh, uh, at one time as, as the Royal yep. Police Force of Canada, right? So, um, and actually it's, uh, you know, not, not to get ahead of you here and like, your podcast. That's, the, you're allowed to answer stuff, questions like, before I ask. Um, it's okay. Um, one of the things, one of the things that they make you do in depot. Um, so like you see everybody, when you see a police officer in the RCMP, one of the biggest things that people notice that's an RCMP officer is when they have that yellow stripe mm-hmm. going down their leg, right? So, when you're in uh, in depot there, you actually have to earn that stripe. You don't just get it given to you. It's not just given to you as part of your uniform. You earn it. Um, and one of the reasons, one of the ways that they make you earn it is you need to learn a little right. bit of the history of the force, right? So it's that's why I was saying like when you talk about um, joining a police force, and a lot of people, if they were in it for the money, I'll be honest with you, man, uh, they wouldn't be joining the, the Royal <laughs> Canadian Money Police because there's a lot of other opportunities there. Um, but the thing about the RCMP for me. Aside from the fact that uh, I'm second generation now, uh, is the history of it and what it represents to be to be a a, a Mountie for the Canadian uh, force, right? So, um, so so they make you actually like you have to study the history of, of the RCMP and the uh, the Northwest Mountie Police because the Mounted Police because um, you have to know the history and mm-hmm. it's, it's about having that pride, right? It's about going into it, being proud of what you're being a part of here. So and you know, like it's there's like all the way from like where, uh, you know, when when females were allowed to apply and all that, yep. right? So, um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff, and it's it's funny though because uh, you leave you leave depot and then you you just start becoming a police officer. You do the work of the police officer, um, but then you go and talk to some of these old retirement retired guys and stuff, and like they can tell you stuff that happened in the history that you're like, oh man, I forgot all about that, right? So. Um, so, so just, just, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and give you a full history of the RCMP, but the reason why the RCMP, which was the Northwest Mounted Police were even created, um, was because of the whiskey traders, right? right? The American whiskey traders. Uh, and it was, it had to do with, um, so that they, they were doing it a lot among with the Aboriginal people, right? Um, back in, uh, in 1874 there. Which it was actually developed in 1873, but 1874, they uh, came up with this force because they needed someone to actually police the whiskey, um, the whiskey traders and stuff that were going yep. happening along, right? So, 
and uh, and the, it actually started out with like 150 uh, people, and I mean now it's just like you know there's I think there's like 20,000 members or something mm-hmm. in in the RCMP right now, something like that. I'm not I don't know that number off my heart, but but yeah, no, it's uh, it's one of those things where it was a, a force that was put in place to um, police uh, the whiskey trade that was happening uh, among the Aboriginal people, and uh, it you know became a a national a national thing, right? So yeah. <laughs> And yeah, obviously those guys back then didn't know they were becoming a big part. Well, of and history, and an icon, but, right? Like uh, people around the world will think of Canada. They'll think of a few things. I'm sure they'll think like hockey. They'll think Tim Hortons now. Yeah. They'll think maybe a beaver, and now they'll they'll think mountains, yeah. right? The, the. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, one of the biggest things is like like I was saying, like it's all about the pride, right? It's not about. It's not about taking that paycheck home. I mean, obviously the paycheck's there. You've got to live. Um, but for me, uh, and this is my own personal opinion on it, is 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 that, you know if I just wanted to be a police officer, I probably would have went local because mm-hmm. I am from the Edmonton area. Um, but for me, it was more of the traditional aspect. And so, like when you go and you live six months in Regina, and they they basically just like mold you to the person that they want you to be and it's about like respect and showing the loyalty and all that it's you know but you learn about the history while you're there and you know everybody when you when you see a mountie or you see a bunch of um, rcmps together you usually think of them in red yep. surge and, and marching right and sync so and you know that that's a, that's a huge part and a lot of people will look at that and say well, yeah but that doesn't have anything to do with policing but you know what it actually does um because it's attention to detail it's the little things and if you're not willing to, you know, look into those little things when you're doing just your your training and marching and make sure you're being proficient at that, then, I mean, what are you going to do when you have a, a big investigation? And are you going to be um, half-ass on it? Or are you going to actually make sure that you're you're good with it, right? So, um, yeah, so it's 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 all part of the plan. You know, right? so we're, we're in the, the depot part of the conversation. And depot... For those listening, that depot yeah. is where you go. It's in Regina, in Saskatchewan. From all around the country, everyone comes there. It's the only training spot in the country, right? To become an RCMP officer. Yeah, and funny thing about uh, Regina is I learned this actually when I was there. So depot is, is yeah, that's the national training grounds that they... Um, they they announced that depot was going to be the national training grounds and that's like so where everybody goes that's in the rcmp in today's like in the modern era right now have been through depot right so but like back in like 1954 when my grandfather was doing his training he did his training in ottawa so it hasn't always been depot and you know and they still do some training in ottawa for like the specialized units and stuff but essentially every officer that you see walking on the streets right now there's you know probably 98% 98% of the people are probably up and through depot, right? I mean, I don't know, maybe there's like the odd one here or there that didn't, but um, funny thing about Regina, though, uh, we're getting onto this, like, where it's located. We learned, actually, when we were there uh, that Regina is actually uh, the most violent, is known for the most violent crimes in Canada. Um, it's actually, like, the highest crime rate, which is, like, right across the street from depot, mm-hmm. just down the street from it. Um, there's a there's a street called Dutney Avenue there, and uh, you just go down the road. And we are told as cadets, uh, because obviously when you're a cadet, like you're not a police officer, um, but people know that you're in training and that you're trying to become 
a police officer, right? So um, there's they make it very, very known to everybody there that becomes a cadet that you're not to leave uh, with uh, any resemblance of you being a cadet because if you go there, there are gangs there that are basically... Uh, it's part of their initiation is that you they, if they can you know beat up a cadet or something that's kind of like right a notch in their belt right so um but yeah it was it was interesting to know that like literally right across the street from like the biggest training ground for the the royal canadian police anyways uh, um is that right across the street is like one of the most violent crimed areas and it's just when you think about that you're like you think about the resources they have there you're like how's that how's that possible right but um yeah it's one of those things where um crimes everywhere man that's it right matter where you go, so. yeah um so yeah. obviously you go to depot or depot sorry and you learn yeah you don't call it they don't you, call it it's depot. not depot they it's get pretty like upset about home that. depot that's why i always call yeah. home depot home depot so it, so it, it's, it's spelled it, the same but, but forgive uh, me yeah. please don't come and arrest me yeah. Um, don't don't <laughs> call any of the local uh, RCMP officers here in Vegreville and let them know. That, but in when you go to depot, yeah. it's not just learn how to shoot a gun and how to do tactical stuff and drive really fast and arrest people. It's a history lesson, too, right? So yeah, so like when you go to so yeah, like if you like, and there's videos on YouTube that you can watch. Um, and if there's anybody listening to this that's like looking into uh applying for the rcmp and they want to know what it's about uh there's uh there's a video series on youtube it's called courage and red uh watch that because that you know it's it's a little bit aged but at the same time it tells you it pretty much walks you through what you go through in the six months with uh i think it's like three episodes or something but i watched it numerous times and i think i think Mm -hmm. i think i even told you to watch it there at one time um and then actually there's there's a new one too so if you write an rcmp on youtube i'm sure it comes up too but um yeah no so like you go there and obviously like there's guys that you'll be so a troop is typically 32 people when you start um so there's 32 people that you're living with um and probably out of those 32 people there's usually maybe like a tiny little bit of a handful that have actually even fired a um a gun or you know and, and obviously you get the people that have experience from working with law enforcement and the people that are usually there are, have worked yeah. their way into that role right so um but yeah when you go there like the driving aspect is actually a very small part of it the firearms part is a very small part of it uh but obviously very important right i mean firearms is, is important because um, not only for the protection of, of you and the people that you're protecting um you need to know what you're doing too right so um and it's about like cleaning like they don't just teach you how to fire a gun they teach you how to take it apart inspect it clean it make sure that it's good to go that you're not going to uh you know have a have an issue when you go to actually need it and and obviously if you need it you're in a bad situation right you're not you're not just shooting Mm -hmm. it just because you need to shoot it right so um and then yeah they teach you like the 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 like how to protect yourself and that but at the end of the day i mean it's it's really it's really uh great training there uh, but it's up to you to make sure that when you leave Depot, that you continue that um, that training and keeping yourself in shape. Like they put you on, they have personal trainers there that help you through the situation. Like um, I worked with you now for three years before I went there. So garbage, obviously tossing 18 tons of garbage is going to do me a little bit of good, but making sure that I'm in a little bit of shape. I'll tell you right now, man, I was not in good enough shape, as good of shape that I thought I was until I got there. Um, and they, they, they will work with you and it doesn't matter what your, 
cardio is or what your strength is. They work to you, your your standards and they want to make sure at the end of the day, um, you understand the importance of yep. making sure you're staying in shape, right? Um, you know, I sit here and I tell you this, but I'll tell you right now too, like since I've been out of Regina, I've been negligent too, but also because of COVID, um, I'm starting to get back into it here now. But uh, it's one of those things where you want to make sure that you're not a liability for other people too, right? Like, and, and by other people, I mean like your partners that are with you. Um, you know, so if you can't, if you can't uh, run and then go and uh, actually like have to take someone into custody or something, and you're too tired, and all of a sudden somebody gets hurt, well, I mean exactly. that's going to feel pretty bad, right? So, um, but yeah, no. So, uh, and then obviously, then they have like the whole, um, you know, the criminal system and everything, and you do like the classroom sets and stuff. So, and like nothing I'm talking about here, obviously, isn't something you can see on on uh, YouTube. Like literally, if someone's looking to to pursue it, if they're looking into it, watch those videos. Um, obviously, things are a little bit different right now with the COVID stuff there, uh, to the point to where I don't even know everything that's going on. All I know is that uh, they're in quarantine most of the time, and uh, there's very little contact with each other type thing. Um, but it's still going to get through the point. And I mean, at the end of the day. Uh, whether you were in depot during COVID times or not, you're still coming out into public and the public doesn't, it doesn't matter what COVID is, right? The public's going to do what they're going to do, right? So, um, but yeah, like, so, so Regina, like, like, so you go to Regina for six months. Uh, honestly, uh, it, it seems like a long time, but it flies by. You, you're in class, like you're with your troop from Monday to Friday. You get your weekends to yourself to do your own stuff. Um, it's uh, it's a little bit easier now, uh, like when I went through, uh, obviously, than when my grandfather went through, because uh, they have the ability now for like they have uh, where you can FaceTime your family, right. and um, they make it a little bit more family um, friendly, right? I mean, back in the day, you had to be on the force so long before they would even right. consider letting you get married, right? Now they they've kind of come to the point where they understand that people are they want to have their families first right so um and like you get a whole variety of different people man like you get different ages um different like ethnic groups like it doesn't matter different shapes and sizes of people um it doesn't matter if you think that you want to do it honestly i encourage people to follow their dream like i i graduated with a guy that turned 53 years old while we were there and you know uh yeah he's not going to get his full pension in the end but I think at the end of the day, this is just something that he always wanted well, to do. Well, it's like, like you said, you don't, and, you don't go in it for the money, yeah. right? You're going into it because it's a dream, a passion. So, well, Exactly. And, and I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, if, if, if I was going into something for the money, um, I'd probably go somewhere like, you know, I mean, the oil field, I guess it will kick up again. But like, you're going to go somewhere where you're going to make lots of money, right? But, uh, uh, but yeah, for this, it's like I said, if you're doing it for the policing I mean, you obviously get your, you're still a police officer. You do everything that a police officer is expected to do. Um, but the thing about the RCMP that had me sold and, and you know, on a, and obviously I've, I've had it in my mind for pretty much my whole life is it's the traditional part of it, right? So, um, you know, it's one of those things where uh, it doesn't hurt to try and, you know, you'll never know if you don't try, right? So, um and like when I left, my my daughter was six months old, so it's yeah, it's not the easiest thing to leave family, but it's also a short. I looked at it as a short term pain yep. for long term gain. Exactly. Right? So, 
I mean, now I'm now I'm setting my family up for uh, success here in the future, and and we'll see yep. where it takes us from there, right? Well, and so let's leave depot behind. Let's let's go to you currently as an officer. Um, I don't I don't know. I told okay. you to make sure this is okay. You come on and talk because I wasn't sure on the rules with the RCMP. Um, are you allowed to say where you're stationed? Are you comfortable saying where you're working out of, or you just want to say the province? Uh, it's you know at, at the end of the day, it's uh, I'm not. It, it's more on us to decide what we want to say. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to sit well, here. Well, no, I'm not going to ask you stuff because of <laughs> like stuff like that. Hey, but, I was reading the paper, um, Travis. Uh, no, you like, guys, so, uh, no, I'm not going to get yeah, specific. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Um, no, like so, like I, I mean, at the end of the day, it's uh, the RCMP is pretty transparent when it comes through stuff like that. But obviously, they they're pretty big on um, you know protecting mm-hmm. their members and stuff, right? I mean, and it's more for like guys like that if they have aspirations to go certain places in their career. So for me, I grew up in the Edmonton area, man. I was fortunate. I came back. So yeah, you know what? I I'll tell you right now, like um, for your listeners, if that they're if you. I don't know if you have oh, like hey, what are you saying, man? <laughs> um, I, I, have, I have more uh, than two. I know I'm one of them, so. Not counting myself. Yeah. Um, no, I, so so I was actually fortunate, right? I was one of the ones that was fortunate because one of the things that people get upset about is, um, and they, when they talk about the RCMP, is they're like, yeah, but they're going to ship you wherever they want. So it's like, oh, well, I'd like to come back home here to Alberta, but then they ship you to BC. And, and it, you know, I learned going through there that uh, that's not entirely the case anymore i mean they obviously they'll put you where they need you they'll send members where they need to send them um but they're also the compassion is there too for people who have taken the time to come and be a part of something special here with the rcmp that they also want your family to be a part of it too right so so i'm from edmonton um and i was fortunate to actually come back to the edmonton area so i'm I'm stationed in fort saskatchewan right so um, so I was fortunate to come back to the Fort, to Fort Saskatchewan, which was actually pretty high on my list when I was choosing. Um, uh, there's actually a story behind that one, too, that uh, uh, while I was going through the process, I was actually um, able to uh, to have interaction with some of the Fort Saskatchewan members. And, and I had a little bit of an idea of what Fort Saskatchewan was when I was mm-hmm. looking at where I wanted to go. Um, you know, it's one of those things where... Uh, you know, it's 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 up to the member. It's up to the person who's in it if they want people to know who they are, where they are. You know, um, so uh, yeah. So I grew up in the Edmonton area. I was one of the fortunate ones. I got to come back home. I mean, not, obviously, not everybody was fortunate, um, but at the end of the day, uh, you do your your time where they send you, and and you can work your way mm-hmm. back to where you're from too, right? So, um, so yeah, no. So I was fortunate that I was able to come back home. Um, pretty happy about that uh funny there's actually a funny story with that so i i I found out when i found out where i was coming you find out about halfway through um depot it's actually right after the midterm there where you're going to be going so then that way you it gives you time and your family time to figure out you know what you need to do um and how you need to uh you know set yourself up with getting a house or or if you got to sell a house or something like that right and so we found out that we're coming to, to fort saskatchewan that I, I found that out but actually that morning they had actually originally put me on Beaumont um, and so I was fine with that because you know it's still around the Edmonton area I was like that's fine 
and uh, I came back in after lunch, and, and my corporals actually, that like they're my instructors, uh, they're like, yeah, no, we uh, we actually mixed up there, uh, Travis. You're going to be going to Fort Saskatchewan, not not uh, Beaumont, which you know t- for me, um, I was okay with because Beaumont actually wasn't even on my list, um, and Fort Saskatchewan was, so I was actually pretty happy about it. And so I, uh, you know, Beaumont's actually closer to where I live, so it would have been a shorter drive, but um, Fort Saskatchewan is one of those places where. Um, it's not it's not like super busy but it's like it's also not super dead so it it, it allows me to learn um, as I go on and, and do thorough investigations mm-hmm. and get better at my skills right so um, so I, I actually uh, phoned my wife that night and she had already known that we were going to Alberta because what happens is they uh, they tell you a couple weeks ahead of what province you're going to which in provinces yep. they, they call it divisions. <laughs> So I was going to K Division, so we already knew we were coming back to Alberta. And then, uh, after, like I said, after the midterm there, they tell you uh, where you're going to go in that province because they give you a couple weeks once you know that province to try and explore the province and figure out where you want to go, like what, where you prefer, right? So now when you choose, you're choosing like, okay, do I want to be around a big hub? Like, do I need to be, do I have needs for my family? Like, do I need right. to be like near a hospital or something? If somebody's got some medical issues or something in your family, right? So, and then it's also like the type of policing you want to do. Like, do you want to do small town? Do you want to do a city? Like, what do you want to do? And uh, so obviously when I made the list for where I was looking at going in Alberta, I had my wife um, involved with me pretty, pretty extensive. Uh, like pretty pretty deep into it i wanted her to basically i wanted her to choose right because at the end of the day um wherever we go i get to work i'm doing whatever i i'm doing what i signed up to do i get to be a police officer and and, uh, serve the public but she's the one that's going to have to figure out um what she wants to do right and and what's going to be there for her so when uh when they told me i was going to fort saskatchewan i uh, i called my wife and i was in i was in depot there i called her and i said so we figured out we found out where we're going today She's like, okay, well, where are we going? I said, and I said, we're going to Saskatchewan. I didn't say more because I was just trying to be a smartass. I kid you not, man, she hung up the phone on me. So then I had to call her back, and I'm like, why'd you hang up on me? She's like, you told me we're going to Alberta, and she was super pissed, right? Because obviously we're both from Alberta, and now, now she's like just had this bomb dropped on her that we're going to Saskatchewan. And I was like, yeah, we are staying in Alberta. We're going to Fort Saskatchewan, Alberta man like she didn't talk to me for like probably 10 minutes and i just like kept apologizing you were you were so fixing mad. yourself to be shot uh, when you got home uh yeah i was setting myself up for my own problems at home yeah so uh so anyway so it worked out because obviously we didn't have to move from our house that we're currently in um and and with us coming back to the hub uh we had support um for like family and stuff for when i have to work or something and you know and my wife she gets pretty bad migraines so she needs to have somebody around that can kind of come and step in and watch the kid when i'm when i'm working right so so yeah so that's uh that's kind of how it worked out so i ended up coming back here um pretty happy um you know like um i I got nothing bad to say about uh fort sass man like it's uh it's a it's a i think it's like twenty six thousand people or something but it's like you get lots of a little bit of everything there and um really good people i've learned a lot there so far and you know i i've got uh, a couple more years there and i'm sure i'm gonna have lots more stories and, and uh, you know a little bit more uh experience yeah i'll have to come back there. back to you in 10 and, years uh, for it, part it, two yeah it's uh but it's one of those things where um 
like you, you work in the industry and then you talk to other people that have worked in like smaller detachments or busier detachments and they tell you you know um about how the difference is between each detachment and like if you go to a busy detachment yeah you know you're gonna get your um experience quick with uh dealing with like uh, more dealing with the public and obviously more serious crimes and stuff but then you go to one that's smaller or not, not as busy and it's you learn how to do investigations a little bit more thoroughly because yep. you have that extra time right? pros and cons to both um yeah for sure man so um so actually my, my plan here in the next couple of years is to uh try and evaluate where i want to go for my second posting and and you know obviously it may not be up to me at that point they may just send me where they need to but to kind of like gauge uh the type of detachment that i want to go to um you know because like so like i just worked a um an overtime shift here actually on friday in, in devon and um i'll tell you man like it's a it's it's a it's a real eye-opener for the difference between a detachment that's like just oh, almost 30,000 people and then you go to one that's like 6,000 people I mean uh, your call volume is definitely <laughs> a lot different from there right so and it's it's the type of people you deal with too I mean like if you're you know the you, you get into a community like Devon where it's a pretty quiet community and you know you go to a, a busier one where they they deal with a lot more yep. um, issues right so um, it's one of those things where you just you try and decide what kind of policing you want to do and then um, you know and that's all in general duty that's what I'm in uh, as far as like specialized units like yeah, you got lots of time to figure that out right so um, I always thought that I wanted to be a canine handler but I'll tell you right now I could never keep up with those guys they're way too oh, yeah, they're, those I are. I uh, knew an officer yeah. here in Vegreville who went into the canine unit and before he did that, he's got to like train two or three dogs at home first as part of the application and the amount yeah, of dedication yeah, sure. and work he had to put into just all that work. Well, just and the, and then the thing is, is like once you become one of those guys, um, like I've had the opportunity to talk to a couple of them now. We actually had a kind of a cool story here. A story here actually. Uh, it was our what was it? It was our last our last week in depot. We were graduating on the Monday. They brought in um, the so so the guy that actually worked in the Moncton shooting yep. in Toronto. He was actually at depot, so he was actually stationed at depot. That's kind of where he was doing his uh, last couple of years, where he's going to retire. And he had the the dog with him, and for some reason, the dog's name is coming back to me as Bailey. I can't remember if that's one hundred percent sure, but the dog that he had with him was the one that actually found the Moncton shooter. So. Um, he brought the dog in for a couple, like a little couple demonstrations, and then he talked to us about like, kind of like if we were looking at, uh, like you know, obviously you're coming in at depot, they're trying to like put in your mind like different ideas of of uh, where you want to go in your career, right? And so one of the things was they brought in the dog handler, and he's he's talking to us about like what was meant, what was needed, what was expected to become a dog handler in the RCMP, and you know, obviously the dog handler positions don't exactly come available like. Like, right. a, like a constable would, right? So, um, but yeah, so let's see, this guy that uh, we were talking with there, he did, I think he said he did like eight years or something of just trying and like helping with uh, training and stuff with, uh, with the dog handlers. And basically what you are is you're, 
you're essentially their their chew toy, right? You, you <laughs> go there with them, and they they do their biting and stuff, and and then yeah, and then once you become um, to the point where they they feel like you're ready to become like a they start heading in the direction of being a dog handler, then yeah, they get you to raise yep. a couple puppies, right? And, but it was kind of cool to 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 hear the stories that he had um, about like just coming up and like the stuff that he he and this dog had been through, and I think. I think if I remember correctly, the, that dog was his third dog, um, and he uh, like he was telling the stories about like just different things that they found and like different experiences that they had and like um, the fact that like some some uh, overseas stuff that they got to do and you know it's it, and that's the thing is like the RCMP when you look at the RCMP and you see a, a constable or something on the streets or whatever, you see, you see him as like a local police officer. But then if you were to look at the RCMP as like a whole, like it, it's, it's incredible. Like the opportunities that are there, like you work, you work hand in hand with the military in some cases. And like, you get to go overseas and, and do some pretty cool stuff. Right. So, um, so yeah, like when you, when you start thinking of like what section you want to be in, like, you know, obviously, uh, I'm not even remotely close to doing that, uh, but at this, at the end of the day, like it's like an endless opportunity. And once you choose one, you don't have to stick with just yep. one, right? You can do we, uh, more. Go right? ahead. Actually, when I when I came out of depot, I uh, I had told my drill instructor instructor that I was looking at potentially returning to depot in like 10, 15 years and becoming a drill instructor, just so I could stand <laughs> on the perch and yell at people. And believe it or not, man, there's like, like there's actually a long list of people that want to do that. Yeah. It's actually a hard thing to get into, and um, but yeah, yeah. It gets my yeah. crushing. It's uh, that's why I referee hockey. Oh wait, that's to be that's to be yelled at. Yeah. Sorry, I don't get yelled at enough in my life. Um, you know, usually yeah. when I get yelled at, my like, Dad, make me supper, make me lunch. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> That's a whole different thing, though. I mean, at least when you we yell at people at Devil, right. they go every, away after a while. Every six months, you get someone new to yell at. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's more than that. I mean, each of those guys has probably about yeah. four or five troops. So, I mean, and like, and, and I know this from, so, um, well, you know this. And, and so, I know that you had John on there a couple weeks ago. And actually, John was uh, my best Small man at my world. wedding. So, like, Holy I know smokes. who John is, right? Um so I did 13 years of the firefighting before I decided to go and pursue this dream of mine that I had had since I was a kid. Um, but it's one of those things where like, so I did, I did the training. Uh, like I, I worked with John actually one-on-one quite a bit with the training and became like one of the head trainers at the fire department there. Uh, and, and you, you see these, like when you, when you, when you teach a class and you bring them up to the point of where now they're ready to be this full out, piece of like you know this this person that's ready to come in and actually be this uh usable uh firefighter on the scene from where i was teaching and you're just so proud of it and they go in there and they and they know what they're doing and then they graduate and then you come in the next week and you got brand new guys and your expectations are so high and you're like oh i gotta remember that these guys are all off the street they have no idea what they're doing right so i can only imagine what it's like for these guys in depot who are like uh, the drill sergeants and stuff and and corporals and that that they they get to the point where their troops are like they're immaculate and they, they look so good when they're going around depot and then you get these new guys on there like basically wide-eyed and have no idea what you're yelling at them for 
yeah it's 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 probably one of those things where like it's a very proud moment you know when you you're with a, a troop for 26 weeks and uh, you know you watch them graduate and, and you know that uh, the, the, the big reason why they are who they are and why they're successful is mm-hmm. because of what you've done to help them right so it's a, it's one of those things where I think it's a big pride uh, you got a little, little bit of a teacher soul in you um, it is and it's 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 kind of like uh, yep. they're your children right and you raise them and, and then they leave and they go on their merry way and you, and you hope to God that uh, they have a long and, and uh, fulfilling career right so and then you know down the road maybe you run into them again somewhere maybe because not everybody at depot they're actually I, I should say everybody at depot pretty much uh, when they go and teach at depot they usually go back out yep. on the road eventually too right so there is an opportunity there that you could still run into somebody that taught you down That's the road true. I, I was going to ask you what one of the career paths you were interested in as in a question and I think you just answered it as an officer for the like, uh, yeah, like for, like, for in the RCMP so yeah so like the the drill program is something and, and it goes back to um, you know the traditional aspect of it right so so I, I like I my grandfather did 27 years and he retired as a staff sergeant when he retired uh, back in 81 um, so I remember being a kid and walking around his house wearing his <laughs> high brown boots and uh, you know you look on the walls and he's, he's a very very proud he was very proud of what he did right so he came like pretty much right out of high school and joined whereas I took the other road and went through garbage for a couple of years and met some people in my life and uh, you know I uh, I did apply for the RCMP when I was 20 but uh, truth be told I actually walked out of the test mm-hmm. because I knew I wasn't ready at that time I wanted to get some more life experience and uh, I was kind of in a crossroads too where the fire department was kind of something that I was looking at but I never perceived that because the, the medical yep. portion of it doesn't interest me at all. Um, but yeah, so so like I've grown up uh, in an RCMP family where I've watched and I've seen the things that my grandfather was able to do. And, and one of the biggest things that I knew from being a part of that was that there was the paramilitary of it, right? So um, yeah, so, so the drill program is something that has always perked my interest even before I even went there. And, you know, and, and I... I like watched so many videos. I did so much research on the RCMP before I even went there to the point to where I knew we were going to get yelled at. I knew someone was going to scream in my face and everything. And they're going to push me to the point where they want me to break and see, see how long they can do it. You know, it's, it's one thing now is to watch it on a video and you see it and you're just like, man, like that's crazy. And then you go and actually stand yeah. there and, and you get yelled at. It's uh, you know, you know what? It's uh, it's a whole different thing and you get a whole new respect for it. Um, so that's that's something that I look at is, uh, yeah, you see these guys yelling at them and you think that, man, that, that corporal, like he's being kind of a dick to that recruit, right? But he's actually building character. He's helping you. Because what happens when someone on the street's yelling in your face and spitting mm-hmm. on you and everything? How are you going to react, right? So you can't you can't just, uh, you, you can't, you have to keep your composure. You ha- you're the one that's supposed to be able to to handle this situation so they teach you and so so that's one of the ways that's one of the, the places that i'm looking at going maybe later on in my career um you know right now i really don't have any aspirations to go a certain direction other than i know that i'm interested in learning more about like kind of mm-hmm. like the drug side of it a little bit um traffic is always going to be something that uh, 
doesn't matter where you are is always going to be an issue so getting better with that stuff too right um you know and 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 the fortunate part for me is that where i got posted um there is an abundance amount of people that have come from different places in the force or different experiences and and you know i can learn from those people right so um so yeah so i as far as like where i want to be like where i think i'll be in 10 years from now um i don't know man like i i work with members that are i've been in general duty for their whole career and you know they're uh 10 plus years in and they're not even looking to get into units and at the end of the day general duty for anybody that's wondering what that is that's basically just your your regular constable that's on the street that you see every day uh driving around patrolling um you know you get the opportunity to kind of help out with everything right like we get a call for when you call in something like a domestic or something it's usually a general duty member that's going to come deal with that and um you get the opportunity to, to do your own investigations and and you get a little bit of everything yep. right you become like the jack of all trades so um yeah so it's one of those things where you know down the road i'm sure there will be something specialized in it that i want to do and and like i was saying like uh, with the dog thing and that like you, you don't have to stick with it uh, you can try other things too but um it's one of those things where you you uh you need to figure it out you need to be able to know how to yep. walk before you run right so um and it's 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 also a respect factor too i mean everybody that you see in the force has done at some point and most likely has done at some point some general duty which is you know at uh people look at them as like the low man on the pole but i look at it as uh guys that just haven't uh don't don't want to don't want to just pinpoint it on one thing they enjoy doing the whole thing right and, and everybody's got their own reasons for doing what it is that they do in the force and directions that they go you know i'll tell you right now that i'm never going to be the commissioner of the rcmp because i don't think I can. <laughs> you're, you're not a politician the, uh, publicity that comes with that you gotta so. be a- it's a lot of politicians. No, work, I'm right? not. I'm not. You know, I have a lot of respect for those people that do those. You know, they get asked questions and uh, and they're put in places that uh, I don't well, ever yeah. want to be put in. And uh, you know, uh, but some people like that, right? That's yeah, everyone's got different strengths and so. weaknesses and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm more than happy to be a. Soldier. That's right. So. Constable Pet Cow, you wake so, up, whether it's the morning shift, day, night shift, whatever, uh, and you go to work. What does a day mm-hmm. in the life of you or an officer in general look like? Uh, it, it varies, man. Like, it's, uh, that's one of the perks about this job, um, is that you don't do the same thing every day. You really, you go in the work, you, like, you go in, you get changed, you get logged in. Um, some days you go there and there's nothing happening and you're able to go and do some, uh, you know, some self-generated stuff or, uh, you know, be, be an eye in the public, show your colors out there and, and, you know, go and help out wherever you can. And there's other days where you go and you're running around with your head cut off because there's lots of stuff happening, right? So, um, and that's one of the things about, uh, where I'm, where, I, like I said, I'm posted, like I... It's, it's not a busy, busy detachment, but it's also not like a super slow one, right? So, um, th- at the end of the day, uh, the public perception is, is one of the most important things for us is, is that, you know, you're the taxpayers, you're the ones paying the money, so we want to make sure that we're doing our, 
our part in making sure that we're enforcing what it is that the public perceives as the issues, right? So um, even if it's just a matter of driving around and showing your colors and preventing people from, you know, maybe second guessing something that they're about to do and they see the colors, that that's a preventative action. So if you're not busy uh, in the office or whatever, doing files or whatever, obviously you want to try and be on the road and just be visible to the public and show them that, hey, we're out here making sure that it's safe for you to, you know, walk your dog down the street or, or, or you know, your yep. kids to go to a park or something, right? So, and then obviously um, every opportunity that we get where we can interact with the public, we're going to take that um, and, you know, educate. So it's a, everybody sees a police officer and you think that you're going to automatically get dressed yes. or something. Yes, the first reaction is always um, to run when you see a police officer. <laughs> yeah, it's... It, it, but the thing is, is like it's uh, it's one of those things where um, public education, in my mind, in my opinion, is actually more beneficial for all parties involved. Um, you know, it's it's it, you get a better taste in your mouth too when you have a, a good mm-hmm. interaction with somebody too, right? So, um, but yeah, it's it's you know sometimes you have no choice. Sometimes there is there are. Uh, things that need to be put in place and charges or whatever and it is what it is but uh, you know more often than not I think it's one of those things where if you can prevent the action from moving forward by obviously um, giving a, a positive reaction to the public then that's going to go a lot farther too right so um, and you know and, and I've had enough discussions with you obviously at 4am when I'm driving home and you're driving the work. yes we're keeping each other awake um, which we could probably do a podcast just on that man on our conversations right there it'd be more about hockey and stuff yeah. but um you know it's 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 one of those things where uh yeah and i i can't tell you what happens on an average day because every day is different right so um my goal is to just make sure that i uh and, and i put myself in the public shoes what would i expect if i was uh the public and i wanted to see like what what do i want from the police what 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 are my expectations right so you know um and you know some people and, and that's the thing about the public is uh, not everybody's gonna see Definitely things not. either right you're gonna get people that are um and, and it doesn't matter where you go you're gonna get people that are pro-police and people that are not pro-police and who think that uh you know we should be doing more at the end of the day, you do what you can. So for sure, uh, yeah, you're not going to make everybody happy. <laughs> it doesn't no. matter what profession you're in, either, man. Um, I remember uh, uh, years ago uh, when I was on the fire department. There, we were doing. Uh, um, so every year for the the uh, Halloween, we would go out. We'd have the trucks out just to be visible to the, the kind of keep the the streets just a little bit more safer and like look out for people so they're not speeding down the roads and stuff. And, it was one of our incentives that our chief had had at that time, and one I remember one time this guy came up to me and he's like, he's like, wow, you guys are really spending my taxpayer money at a, 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 like good cost, hey? Like like basically saying that we're wasting his money in that by just driving around. He thought we were just driving the putting around, burning gas, and costing his money. And then I I turned around and I said, yeah, well the reason why we're out here is to keep your kid from getting hit by a vehicle. Um, and to make sure that uh, things are going safe, I kid you not, man. His his kid ran out behind the truck right after and almost got hit by a vehicle. And I was like, look, I'm like, if we weren't here, that car was going even faster down the road. 
he actually came over and he apologized to us after he's like no you're absolutely right so um you know you may not see everything that uh, emergency services are out there doing you may think that they're not doing their job but i i can promise you that there are things happening behind the the scenes that you know not even we're aware of right so um everybody thinks that firefighters just sleep in their uh, firehouse and don't wake up until a call comes in but they're doing a lot more than that too i mean um you know there's they do have an agenda they're they're also working yep. to the needs of the public right so they wouldn't be there yeah that's there right so okay let's let's zoom out from the microscope on your life and let's zoom zoom into sure. a little more of the general things about you travis uh where are you from you kind of said you're from the Edmonton area. Where are you from? I, what was it yeah. like growing up in that area? And yeah. Was that when you decided to be a police officer? Obviously, your grandfather was. So I assume it was from a young age. But just let the listeners know. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I grew up in, in Edmonton, right? I, I'm from Edmonton. I was born in Edmonton. Um, grew up in the Edmonton area. I've been here my whole life. Uh, you know, and, and like I, I had spoken to earlier, I mean, like I, I come from a family of... Uh, law enforcement well and when i say law enforcement i mean like my grandfather was rcmp uh my dad ended up having a cousin down in calgary police too um so i was i was fortunate to grow up in a in a household where um i was able to basically be really close with my grandfather who he actually lives in Kelowna, so you know it's a long distance relationship but i idolize that man he's the reason why i am who i am today uh funny thing is is actually my dad was the one that was running from him all the time so um yeah dad's got a bunch of stories about things that he did that grandpa should probably never find out and uh and he probably still to this so no don't have your dad on the show at least tell your (laughs) (laughs) don't have my dad on here yet um but yeah, so I, I grew up and uh, uh, with the expectations that I always wanted to follow my grandfather's footsteps. So I was always pretty, pretty um, on top of making sure that my life was heading in the right direction. Um, and then when I was in grade six, uh, we actually had the Dare program come through our uh, our classroom there, and um, and I remember uh, to this day his name was Constable Petrie. Um, he's the one that taught our our Dare program and. And I actually wrote a uh, an essay. We all had to write essays, and then the winning essays got to go up. And they, you, you, it, it sounds like it was a good idea that you get to go and read it in front of all the parents and stuff until you got to stand up on stage and you're being videotaped and everything, and you're just sitting there shaking. Because I ended up winning the the um, the the essay or whatever, so I had to go up there and talk about the terror program. And when I was a kid, I never wore jeans or anything, and and my mom made me wear these black. Um, jeans and they were like super tight and i'm like wearing like this dare program shirt or whatever there's like a dress on me and i'm up on the on the stage there in grade six and you could just see like on the video me just shaking reading this this uh this letter but the letter uh it was actually about my grandfather um i the the essay was about uh, what it means to you to uh like what do you want to be when you grow up and, and what what it means to you to be uh you know for for the police and stuff and that and i wrote about my grandfather about what he meant to me and, and the fact that i you know grew up idolizing the fact that he was an rcmp officer and, and you know i walk into his house and even today like you go in there and he's got a room it's just like a shrinery of rcmp artifacts which actually um off topic he just let me know here a couple weeks ago that that stuff's all mine uh he's actually giving that all to me so 
kind of a cool thing too, right? So then I can start my own little collection here and, and have like a little bit of a um, memorable thing of my grandfather. But growing up and then, um, you know, obviously being a part of the D.A.R.E. program, it got me a little bit more closer with uh, the local police here in town. Um, and then you, you, because I grew up in, in a smaller part of, like I said, I grew up in Devon, that's outside of uh, Edmonton there. Um, you get to know the the police on a more personal level uh, outside of mm-hmm. their them doing their job and the, what i mean by that is like they become coaches or you're growing up with their kids and and you see the things that they're doing for the community when they're not in uniform right like um i can remember like uh having them as my my soccer coaches and, and uh, growing up and stuff and then you go over to their house and you know they're, they're regular human beings right but like you look at them and you hold them to a higher standard because of who they are um, so it was kind of one of those things where you like you idolize who these people are and what they're doing for the community and you realize that hey this is like probably something that I want to do um, so as I as I was going through school and as I'm as I'm going through um, my life there and I'm figuring out what I want to do um, had the opportunity to do a career day <clears throat> and that's where you decide that mm-hmm. you want to go and work with somebody right well my dad had uh, he thought I was going to go to work with him and I told him no I didn't want to be a work in a warehouse so um, I I had proceed, uh, pursued to go to the RCMP here in Devon and, and had uh, asked about doing a ride along right so um, <laughs> that's a funny actually different time um, times are a little bit different now you can't really do the things that they did back then but when I did my ride along in uh, high school I remember one we were yep. riding in one of those old Crown Victorias so the old school car there right uh, and I mean old school for, for my, my generation obviously anybody listening to this older than that would be like yeah yep. those are still fairly new <laughs> to what people are used to um, but I remember uh, us like going and like arresting somebody uh, at the local bar and you know I have to stay in the car and I can't go anywhere because obviously a safety thing and uh, yeah, they bring this guy or, and they bring this girl and then you listen to her <laughs> yell and scream in the back and you think that if that's going to deter you or anything at that time it's going to do it right and, and then uh, we we took her to uh, the local the city here that's just um, to the I guess it would be mm-hmm. the east of us the Leduc there um I don't know, I guess that's much, I, don't, I don't know what it is, but anyway, we took her to the Duke, and I remember um, just going there, and you just see like the you see the camaraderie between the officers and like how they look out for each other, how there's like a brotherhood, and like you, you got the female officers there, so there's like a sisterhood too, like they they help each other out, and it's just like you're never alone, you're never you're never working through something alone, and it was kind of cool to see um, at that point. I think I was in grade nine. Um, to see like what it was outside of what people think of when they see a police officer. So when you see a police officer driving down the road, you're like, oh God, so yeah. put me in handcuffs and take me away, right? So um, so it was one of those things where uh, I was already building this relationship with the police officers in town. And then you fast forward a couple more years and now I get my license and now I'm driving around and, and uh, this one local police officer, he's one of the guys that was kind of in our town for a really long time. Uh, one of those officers, like, in, in, if you don't want to be moved after a certain point in your career, they mm-hmm. pretty much leave you alone and leave you where you are. Um, he had raised his family and everything here in Devon. And, and I remember I was actually, uh, so, you know, because not everybody's an angel, right? So my uh, my buddy and I, uh, we were uh, pulling a GT snow racer behind my truck up a hill uh, on, like, a, on a street and stuff, obviously 
I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, especially considering my truck had no grip on its tires and it was actually coming backwards. Like, I think about it now, it was actually super stupid. I probably could have been killed by my own truck, like get run over by my own truck and because yep. the icy roads and stuff. But I remember coming up the hill there and all of a sudden uh, the uh, constable at the time there, I can't remember his name, but his last name there, but he, uh, he'd seen us come up the hill there we had just finished putting the GTs in the back and he uh, he pulls me we get around the corner and he pulls me over and he comes up there and he's like hey Travis and I was just like oh like hey how's it going he's like so noticed that you guys had the truck stopped up there like what's going on like what are you guys doing and I, I'm, I'm like I'm like white knuckled because I know that I've just done something really stupid and I should probably get in trouble for it he stops me in the middle of my conversation and he starts, he busts out laughing and I'm like, I'm like, I don't get it. What's funny? He goes, oh, I got my 12 year old in the car. I just wanted to pull you over to tell him that I could make yep. you, you squirm a little bit. I'm like, well, I'm like you did the job. So, you know, and, but it's, a, it's one of those things where, um, kind of growing up, I always knew that I was going to have the opportunity to head in this direction. Um, and the reason why I joined the fire department back in 2005 was because at that time, the RCMP were still looking for people to have life experience mm-hmm. and they wanted some kind of volunteer um, in your life, like some kind of volunteer hours. Um, so, I mean, what better way to join the volunteer fire department in town here? You know, you get some life experience, you get to work one-on-one with the RCMP and it's a volunteer, right? So you're getting all those hours there. 13 years later, I finally decided to perceive what I was actually initially joining the fire department for. Um, so I, I've kind of always known that I wanted to be a police officer. I've kind of always known that that's the direction that I was I was going to. It just took me a little bit longer than I um, had anticipated. Um, you know, in a perfect world, I had planned on being a police officer before getting married and having a kid. Now, obviously, that didn't work out. Like I got married, had a kid before, right? So. But at the end of the day, I mean, um, it's one of those things where if you've got, uh, you know, I, I had a goal, I had a dream, I uh, never stopped giving up on that dream, and then I pursued it, and here I am today, and doing what I always thought I was going to do when I was like five years old, right? So, um, and I guess that's that's if I had to, if I had to, if I if anybody were to ask me, and I've actually had people come up to me now that I am a police officer and ask about how to go about getting into the force and, and what it is, what it what it consists of is, you know, it doesn't matter what your age is, what your race is, what your size is, you know, if you're if you think that you're out of shape, if you think you're too old, if you want something bad enough, man, you'll go and get it. And uh, you know, like I said, I graduated with a fifty three year old, so it's not it's not that he's doing it for the pension, he's doing it because it's a dream that he always had and, and you know good for him he he took it and he ran with it right so um it's one of those things where like if you want it bad enough the only way that can make that happen is you right so you go and do it you know if it means you gotta and i mean like i I went and worked for gfl with you for three years there but i think i pretty much made it well known from day one that i was a gfl that i wasn't looking at being there long term i was looking at uh proceeding like trying to get on with the police at some point right so and I never held that against it either. I always let you guys always know what was going on because I said basically, you know, well, we all couldn't wait for you to leave. Here, so. No, I'm just... <laughs> yeah, right. well, yeah, especially, uh, well, we won't especially Andrew, right? Uh, so, yeah. We all were just glad we <laughs> knew a guy who became an officer and then found out you were in our area. You might let us off one day, you know, get out of jail free card, right? Because those are real. Monopoly yeah. doesn't lie. Well, 
tell you right uh, now, so it I'm doesn't, it doesn't this, work that way. Get out of free mm. jail free card for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know what's funny? Don't you're talking about. And I think that's a the neat thing about the RCMP because they don't need police the big big cities, right? The million people city. It's always like Vegarville, six thousand people. Uh, and then you get those officers that never seem to leave. They always like it. Settle down, plant roots. Um, you get to know. It's it's one of those things where you become That's a right. part of the the community, right? And and you know, it, sure, there are there are uh, communities that, uh, and, and it, it depends on what what you want in your career too. Like, do you want to be um, in a bigger community? Like, are you interested in being in bigger units, or are you, do you want to be that small town? Um, community policing right like i mean yeah you might not get these big calls and yeah you might not be as busy as the next town over but people know who you are and uh you know it it, it gets difficult too though because then you know there's going to be a day where you have to deal with somebody yeah, that you're and it could be a bad day um but it, it could be and but it's also one of those things that when you sign up for the job that you understand that there's a possibility that you're going to go through that and i mean you know, and, and that actually would kind of lead me into, I guess, what I'd like to talk, like, what I could talk about here is the mental health aspect too, right? And, um, you know, I was kind of seeing the mental health, uh, the way that the emergency services are dealing with mental health has kind of been coming and evolving over the last decade here that I've been involved. Like, so now I've been in emergency services for 15 years, um, from the time that I got into it and, I'm, and I, I throw the fire department with police because at the end of the day we all see the same things, we all through, go through the same things uh, and uh, mental health is so important now and it always has been, it's just that now it's so heightened um, that uh, you know, and you go into like a small community where you're going to know the person that you're dealing with, it's going to add to that mental health, right? So, um, and, and I've had that. Uh, I think I've talked to you a couple times about my friend that uh, committed suicide, right? So um, you're going to have to realize that if you're working in a smaller um, smaller area, so if you choose a smaller detachment or something, the possibility of you knowing somebody, and, and especially for me, I, I came back home. So I came back to a place where I grew up around. So now there's a very strong possibility that I'm going to run into people that I know and that I grew up with and you know um whereas if it, and that's kind of one of the reasons why I think that they like to move you around every couple of years is because they want yep. you to reset and not get complacent um but the, the mental health thing is like such a big uh, aspect of our life now that you almost uh you almost have to to change things up every couple of years because you do get attached to people you do get attached to um, certain things and, and then you start to see so, like, for me, uh, my mental health goes back to the firefighting. Um, I can remember certain calls where I see, like, a bike mm-hmm. in front of a house and it triggers me, right? So, um, you know, mental health and PTSD is huge. That uh, the, the RCMP, as the short time that I've been with them, they are, they're huge on it. They're super good about it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really, really, really impressed about the fact that it doesn't matter how excessive your mental health is you could be a week on the job you could be 20 years on the job they're treating it the same and they're making sure that you're getting um the assistance that you need right so and at the end of the day it doesn't matter what the cost is because when you come down to mental health that's right there's no price on that right so um you want to make sure that everybody can go home and and uh live a, a long and healthy life and you know um 
and that you're not well you know, and you mentioned whether it's inside of you right so one week on the job or 20 years because you could have an officer who goes through 20 years and never sees really anything outrageous just mm-hmm. lucks out and you can get a new officer exactly. who sees something has to pull their gun and use it in the first week well and that's just it i mean and uh the, the you know times like the crime and everything that's going on the people that are out there the reason why you're responding to them they don't how care experience, how many yeah. you have on they don't care what your experience is you know and then the public looks at you and and really i mean when you see a police car driving on a road can you tell me that that person yes has your yes experience but or, i can read mine 20 no, years experience i can't tell right exactly no one uh, yeah <laughs> but i mean it's it's one of those things where you're expected to do the job no matter what your experience level is and and uh you know, it's a, it's a, it's it's something that can really and everybody will in handle different it ways, differently right? too. So, well, for sure, they will. I mean, I mean, I have PTSD every time I see the garbage <laughs> oh, come truck. On, get my that's, garbage that's can, the so. good kind. That that's you're you're <laughs> missing all of your brethren yeah. in the garbage industry. That's not PTSD. <laughs> no, it's 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 more. It, no, it's PTSD yeah. from this time of year. That, well, that has started. That, that has definitely on, started in the hopper. Um, yeah. But uh, I bet it has. Yeah. Just just on the whole PTSD and mental health, I never even thought of discussing that. But you brought it up. I imagine the like there's things you're gonna do in your job that are ho hum, whatever, water off your back, ducks back, right? But there's gonna be things in your job you never want to do, but you may have to do. You know, I imagine I would be grabbing your gun, right? Reaching for your gun. That has got to be, no matter what the outcome, what the reason, what happens right there is probably something people need to decompress from. For sure. It's it's one of those things where, um, you know, it's it, it if you're pulling your gun or if you're, you know, God forbid that you have to deal with something where like a kid is involved or something and you've got a kid around the same age, I mean everybody's going to deal with it differently but it's it's going to hit people differently and and you know if if i have to use the training that i've been given to um you know and and unfortunately in in the way the world is today it's hard for us to keep up that training and make sure that we're we're using it non-stop and that's where it comes to mental health and physical fitness and eating healthy and, and you know and making sure that we're prepared to be there and ready to do the job when we need to but understand that uh, the day that that training has to come into play is it's a bad day for the person that's involving but it's also a bad day for the person who's also like like the police officer that's involved because that means that uh, the situation has come to the point of where you believe that if you don't do something that there's going to be other consequences down the road right um it's it's not something that uh, that we take pride in obviously yeah you know what sure we carry around all this equipment and we have this stuff that but it's supposed to be for our protection and the protection of the public but you hope to never have to use it right like they train you they train you how to use these firearms they train you how to how to um you know fight and 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 do these other things but that that's kind of like the this is the last last uh, point of where you're you're out of options you don't have any other options that you've used you know uh and, and, and you know me, like I'm just like you, man. I like to talk. I like to talk a lot, right? So I would rather talk myself out of a situation any day than have to, you know, do anything that uh, could be consequential well, for yeah, myself and the person it's true. involved, right? Because at the end of the day, I want to go home to my family and, and I don't want to come home to my family 
Um, That's you right. Know, you know, it's, it's we think police so, officers, we think mm-hmm. Hollywood, just like when I was talking with John Hay about firefighting, you think all the glitz and glamour, so shootouts, high-speed chases, right? But you don't want any of that shit to happen. Yeah, like, well, that's not that's not a good day. I didn't become a police that, officer to be in gunfights and crashing cars off the highway and all that stuff, right? Absolutely. And, and I mean, at the end of the day, um, people see that on TV and then they get a perspective of, of how we are, right? And, and it doesn't matter if you're watching these reality shows, or you're watching these uh, Hollywood shows and stuff. You know what? Reality shows don't pick up they're not gonna. They're not gonna show no. you the stuff that the real stuff, right? They're not gonna show you the boring stuff. I guess is what you could call it. Um, but as far as as, as we are, uh, we're not. You know, yeah. You, sure, you uh, you get to the point of where you get to use your training, and and um, maybe something comes out of it where it was good for you. But something arises to that point where you need to use it, and there are people involved that are going to be affected by it, right? So. Um, it's not showboating it's not uh it's not about being the bigger man the alpha dog or whatever it is it's about making sure that the situations are assessed quickly and making sure that the at the end of the day the public safety and everything is is applied and that uh nobody gets hurt and uh you know as much as as much as we talk about bad guys going to jail and stuff they have families too man uh at the end of the day, you don't want to uh, be phoning their family to tell them yeah. something went sideways too, right? I mean, you're still affecting other people's it's lives. It's like a rock in a pond, right? You drop it in there and it ripples out. It's a ripple effect, yeah, for sure, man. It's, uh, you know, uh, there's obviously always going to be those situations, no matter where we go in, in our world here. Um, it's just a matter of how we deal with them. and uh, Sometimes it comes to the point of where actions need to be louder than words but uh, more so often than not I think words are more than enough to bring it down and de-escalate well well, let's stick in the little bit of heaviness here Um, you're an officer so I've always I want to word this correctly not to sound disingenuous but the the bravery factor of (laughs) you guys you men and women doing your jobs whether it's RCMP whatever I just admire that it's same with military firefighters um, that you could go off to work and that could be the last day you walk through your door and I don't think you think about that but yeah, you think but about I, that sometimes the way that the way that I look at it and this is kind of going back to my days in the firefighting things I could have ran into a building and never came out and you know I had sometimes where there's close calls but you know what else you could be driving to work on Tuesday morning and get t-boned by somebody and well, I know. that's it, right? I mean, it, it's like it's like anything else. Or, or uh, you know, John John had alluded to it in his podcast with you that you're responsible for the safety of your swampers. Who's to say that something doesn't go wrong and, mm-hmm. and that's the last time you see your swampers, right? Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, yes, it's there, there's always going to be a risk there with what we do in that. Uh, but we can't think of it that way either. I mean, we're very high on our, our safety. Obviously, we... We don't put ourselves in or we try not to put ourselves in situations where um it's going to be a regret factor later on uh you know it's it's one of those things where uh we, we call it a risk assessment you do your risk assessment and it's an ongoing assessment and you, you try to play out all the scenarios in your head um and you, you go for the the most practical yep. one and, and the quickest and safest one 
right? So, um, yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. You could go. I, I this could be the long last conversation I have with you. You're absolutely right. And but at the end of the day, um, we can't think that way. Uh, but you do think that way because you have to be vind- vindictive of everything that you're doing. So it, it, when I talk about that, I mean like going into a situation and mis like you're you're being misleaded. Maybe you've dealt with the same person numerous times, so you feel like their 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 threat is very low to you, uh, and then you know something happens, and now all of a sudden they're actually mm-hmm. not acting like they normally do, right? So. Uh, and it, it, that has happened where people have looked at a situation and they weren't able to act on it quick enough because they, they misjudged the situation. So that's why you go through six months of training and what we do. Um, and then it's up to you to make sure that you're applying that training and, and you're you're bettering yourself as you go through your career, right? And and it's not like you're alone either. Like, I mean, uh, you know, I work with a, with a great bunch of people that it doesn't matter what I go to I know I always have somebody there that I can count on to um, you know have my back and and be another set of eyes in there if I need and it doesn't matter if it's a big call or not it could be something just as quick as just going to talk to somebody Um, you still have somebody there watching out for you right so because at the end of the day I mean like and and I've said this already in this podcast is that I want to go home to my family and, and I want my co-workers to go home to their family right and and you don't want to go home with demons in your in your mind either. And um, but yeah, it's it's it, for sure. Yeah, you're right. It is a dangerous job. Um, but there's other jobs out there that are just as dangerous. You could be an Uber driver. And That's you have right. No idea yeah. Who's getting in your vehicle? And you can't live that way, right? You can't live um, that way. Um, Negativity. You got to be positive. You can't because if you do, uh, if you do, yeah. you uh, you could become complacent and uh, you miss things or or you're. Um, you know, if, if you feel like you're in danger and you don't want to put yourself in that situation, then it's also one of those things where maybe maybe this industry is not for you either, yes, right? That, that, that's why I drive um, a garbage truck. It, it, if someone wants to T-bone me, it better be another garbage truck. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, and, and, and statistically, if you were to look at the um, deaths in uh, policing, I think you'd probably find that... Um, More vehicle collisions are probably well, yeah, way you think, higher than anything that else, right? So, you know, you see an officer pulled someone over on the highway. Just get the hell over and slow down. Like, keep everybody safe. Yeah. And you know what? You might run into that police yeah. officer's car, and you may run into the police officer, and then you've got to live with it. that's that ripple effect. So just move the frick over and slow down, <laughs> right? Like, whether it's construction workers, tow truck drivers, well, it, a mean, person with a flat tire. Just move over. <laughs> well, that's right. Just anybody. move over. Anybody you pulled over, you should just get over anyways. I mean, you yeah, don't trust that so, they're not going to open their door. Yeah, I always think that. Like, so. I just think that, man, because I've worked construction on the highways and the same thing. They're supposed to go by you at 80 and you've got it coned off and you turn around and look and they're driving in your lane that's closed off at like 120. It's like, what is going on? Yeah. But uh, people just don't pay attention. And you're right. Yeah. I bet you if you looked at the stats... It's probably traffic incidents, right? Like this. I, I I would almost guarantee you it would be traffic. No, um, but I haven't. I logically, haven't it would make sense. Like that, right? But but at the end of the day, like I mean, sure we uh, you know firefighters run into burning buildings when people are running out, but that's what they signed up for. That's what they're trained to do. 
But the thing is, it's like a firefighter can run in, save a baby from a burning building, be okay and everything, get in his car yep. to go home after his shift yep. and get T-boned. I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things where the average Joe out there, uh, every time you, basically every time you, you get into a vehicle or, or you go outside. That's right. You Man, live every day like it's you your could last just take the next breath and be your last. So anyway, let's get away from the morbid stuff now. But I just exactly. want to say, it, it's, it crosses my mind every yeah. time. I'm like... Man, that's good on them, you know, men and women that do that, whether it's firefighting, like you said, paramedics, all that, because things can go wrong there to military, police. Well, you, I yeah. mean, but the you're talking about emergency services and it's not like people that sign that's up right. for this stuff aren't. You mean they don't walk in there and go, what the heck, this is what being an RCMP officer is? I, I might have to fight someone to defend myself. I might. I have to put handcuffs on yeah. somebody. Uh, anyway, okay. Uh, just in general, Travis, as a person, I've been meaning to do this in the last interview, so I'm going to start it now with you. I always enjoy it when I read uh, interviews with athletes and stuff. So, what's your biggest pet peeve in life? What's something that just bugs Travis Petko? Not as an officer, just in life. What do, what do you not like? People who bite bite their forks when they eat. Oh, uh, that man. drives me nuts. <laughs> like what's. <laughs> What's your, what's a big, what's a pet peeve uh, of yours? I'm it, trying to think. Totally that's totally off left field. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, no, it, it, it's fine. It's, uh, I guess it, I guess it'd be like, um, when people say yep. they're going to do something, but they don't, I guess would be a big thing for me. Like, um, you know, like if, if you're making plans or you take you take time out of your day. Is this because I said four o'clock uh, and I went somebody to the park with whatever. my kids and got pizza, and we didn't start this till four fifteen? <laughs> well, now that we mention it, no, no, um, no. It's it's kind of like uh, yeah, like empty promises. I guess would be a big pet peeve of mine. Would be, you know, if if you're if you're gonna make plans, if you're gonna do something. If you say you're gonna do something, stick to it. Don't don't be that wishy-washy um, yep. type of person. You know, that's uh, a big that, one. I mean, that's, that's a good one. one. I just want I just really to don't let the listeners get to know yeah. the people a little better. Just, I mean, I well, could if you want to, like other passions in your want, life, but, uh, clearly are cheering for the Oilers. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're doing all right this year. It's uh, hard to get uh, well, except when they play Toronto, yeah. it could be cat. It could be Kevin and all of a sudden dumping players. Yeah. Right well, we fantasy here, hockey, that, that's another issue, yeah. fantasy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another quick yeah. one for you. Obviously, you mentioned yeah. you were in the fire department before and you became an officer. Uh, now you're on the other team, right? Because, you know, the, if it's the slow pitch tournament, yeah. firemen versus policemen or whatever, police officers, fire officers. Um, what are the – there you go. What my are wife the similarities <laughs> between the two jobs? It's probably pretty obvious, but what do you find are maybe one or two similarities between being a firefighter and a police officer? It's you know what it's it's the it's the family, it's um, the camaraderie between the people that are involved, and and you know I've now been on both teams. You're you're right. Um, I've heard you know police make fun of fire, and I've heard fire make fun of police. You know, I, people ask me, uh, like whenever I tell people that I've done 13 years firefighting prior to the police, they always laugh at me and say, wow, you kind of went backwards there. You went, a lot of people usually do police and then they do fire because they went for the other team. Um, but the thing is, is, is at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what team you're on, your teammates have your back. And 
you know, um, I've noticed that now, like I, like I said, I did 13 years with the fire department. I never once felt like I couldn't rely on somebody who I was going into a fire with or, or into a bad situation with. Yeah, you know what, um, there's there's always going to be conflicts between you guys. You're going to be family or whatever. But uh, when it comes down to safety and stuff, you're going to be there and you're going to make sure that everybody goes home at the end of the day. Um, policing is, is, is the exact same, man. Like there, there are no no words that can describe the fact that like it doesn't matter who you are what you are how long you've been there um at the end of the day you're part of the team and uh you, you know everybody's there for the same reason we're there to help each other and, and um you know that's that's something that's huge for me is it's part of being a team uh part of a team that i know that i can count on at the end of the day and uh you know not have to watch my back nice. and i know that my yep. partner's gonna be there teamwork right? so, being being part of a team is always fun it's it's it is and it's it's huge man like it's and and that goes like beyond the services too i mean like you, you talk to each other outside you make sure you're okay like i don't know how many times i've had conversations with people throughout the years after a call or something just to make sure they're okay and you know and and there's always there's always um people offering to, to listen right and I, i've had that now here too as a police officer i've seen it come from both sides and um, that's right there's nothing like having support man it's it's a good support system and and just knowing that uh, it doesn't matter what the situation is how bad it is but you've exactly. always got someone there that you can talk to so good, um, good. Yeah. yeah that's probably the biggest the biggest similarity I mean uh, yeah they have their own tactics and everything that's right public we're, protection we're for the safety reasons, so. um, yeah yeah, just the public likes no, firefighters. Well, we just like seem to, you know, uh, run from the police. That's why it's cool they do these initiatives like here in Vegas and I'm sure elsewhere where they have the school liaison yeah. officer, RCMP. So policemen aren't bad. They're they're good. You can go talk to them. That's who you should go talk to if you're a child and you're scared. Well, and that's, it's, it's Cause, important. Yeah, because all the kids deal with all of us. Too, right? like, there's a cop. Sit down. Shut up. Like they're, be scared of the police. But, you know, they should... And they all get to know him. They don't yeah. even call them constable. They know him. Oh, that's that's Jay, Constable Jay, Jay, right? They're buddies, and that's just brilliant. That's how it should be, you know. And it's actually um, a lot of times when I'm dealing with yeah. my uh, we call them clients. Um, when I'm dealing with a client or something, a lot of times I'll just tell them, like, yeah. just talk, just call me Travis, you know. At the end of the day, you uh, mean when you were born, your were parents didn't name you Constable so... Travis? Your your name Travis? Huh. No, no. <laughs> no or could, it, <laughs> it was cadet. Right. I wasn't yeah, your up grandfather to, I wasn't was like, up you to constable. Yet. I was still He's cadet. a cadet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. 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 Maybe March uh, out of my man. So you talked yeah. about um, RCMP. It's for all shapes, sizes. Sounds a lot like rugby. That's their motto. It's for all shapes, sizes, abilities. Uh, I actually oh. watched rugby there. I'm the very first proud. Time. We'll have to talk I about that. Be proud of me. Well, one day when I have no idea you know, what was we going on there, but. get together and go watch rugby and that, we'll have to go watch some rugby. I'll teach you all the rules. Um, yeah. But just to wrap up here, before I get to my hard-hitting question, which is my signature question now, uh, what makes a solid officer in law enforcement? So if you're going to recruit, you become you go to a depot and that, what's the one quality that you think across the board is like just you're going to be a good officer? What's that trait or quality? Don't be... Don't try and be something you're not. Uh, be true to your word. You are who you are. Um, 
there's different different uh, types of officers out there. Like I know that they feel like like they 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 mold you into who they want you to be. But at the end of the day, um, be true to who you are, and you know they'll 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 teach you about the compassion and all that that you need to have. But um, that like it's just like anything else. Like don't don't try and be something that you're not because. When you start trying to be something that you're not, that's when you start missing things and you start uh, making mistakes, right? I mean, if you make a mistake, it's part of life, man. It's uh, you learn from it, move forward from it, and uh, you know, it's. Uh, but at least, at least you can say at the end of the day that you made a decision that you personally felt like that was the decision to make. So a little, so, little, be true to yourself and, and believe in yeah. yourself, eh? Exactly, and and at the end, you know, it goes back into like I said, I had a 53 year old in my troop, so it doesn't matter what your age, size, uh, what your sex is, what your race is, or anything like that. Uh, if you want something, try for it, because if you don't, that's your biggest regret is when you don't do something that you feel like you could have done. Um, you know, even if even if you're someone who's got like a, a, a past history too, and you feel like you still want to if it's maybe something you've done to turn your life around and you're like, Hey, I think I'd like to try and be a police officer. Apply, man. Because at the, at the end of the day, the worst they're going to tell you is that no, or they're and and if they do tell you, no, Work they're going to tell you why. It. So the yep. least you can, you can, yeah. And it's not always like a, a lifetime thing. Sometimes it's just a deferral or they just want you to change. Well, yeah. Right? Or, but, you know, uh, it's just, you know, you never it, know the experiences each person has in their lives, how that could become valuable. Right. Well, that's, and that's just it. I work with uh, some people that work like they Excellent. speak like four different yeah. languages. You know, <laughs> yeah, I wish. Me too. <laughs> I, ba- yeah. I, I barely me speak well. English. I struggle so. enough with English. Yeah. Uh, my hats off to people who speak two languages. Four. Oh, I have to give them everything. My hats, my yeah. shirts, my pants yeah, are all off for them. That's that's. <laughs> yeah. They'll tell you to do it in a yeah, language you even know it. Well, too. one of the things I've learned yeah. from this talking with you is I. I see the passion you have for the tradition, the history, the legacy of the RCMP. And uh, I'm learned a little bit about you, Travis. So that's that's my goal was for me to learn something and for listeners to learn about you. Um, and yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it's it's like I said, at the end of the day, that it's about history and um, it's about passion and if you're passionate about something yep. it's a dream you'll you'll follow it right it's it's kind of like you with your podcast here i mean this is your dream you're uh, you're doing what you can to make sure it happens and you know it doesn't matter like i know i know you know so i know that if all of a sudden this podcast fell on its face two, tomorrow, two more would appear it's like a it's, enemy it's you something. fight in a video game you shoot right, it it dies but two more pop up that's <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly right so um, you know, with that, I mean, like, like I said, like, if you have a dream, chase it. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is either. Like, yeah, if you want it bad enough, you'll get it. And if not, well, then at least you can. And that that kind of leads me right? into you my signature regrets. question: If you've been listening, you know it's coming. Um, and I'm sure the answer is going to kind of be that, but maybe not. If you could step away from your life, Travis, and be a listener like us, what do you take away from Travis Petko's life thus far? What would you like us to take away? Uh, all my debt. <laughs> all right, uh, I'll no. you, I'll just pile that on mine. Um, no worries, I got yeah, you. I got yeah, you. Yeah. Um. No, I, I. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It just goes back into like 
if it's something that you want, um, if it's a dream, if you've, like, I, I'm, I was 32 when I applied. Um, you know, I know that I, uh, sticking through it, I'll do it for 26 years and, and more, I hope, to get a, you know, a full pension out of it for my family. But, I mean, it doesn't matter how old you are. At the end of the day, it's never too late. And if it's something that you want, um, and if you want it bad enough, you're going to go and do it. And, and uh, you know, if it's something that you just have questions about, like every every police officer, every firefighter, every EMS, they've all been through it. They've been through the schooling. They went through that moment in their life where they thought, do I want to do this? And, and if you have questions, just ask them because well, we're more than happy to answer those questions. We're more than happy to help you through it. And because at the end of the day, uh, you're the next... Uh, you're the next wave of people that are coming through, right? And and we all had dreams. We all chased them. You know, we were able to be successful to get where we are. And, you know, we want to help people get there. You know, and, and even if it's not in the emergency services, if you've got dreams to do other things, do it. Uh, yeah, sometimes uh, money's a little bit of an issue. But um, if you want it bad enough, you'll figure it out, right? So um, that's that's what I would say is like that. I, I uh, yeah, I had a dream to be a... Uh, be a member of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Um, it took me a little bit longer than what I would have liked to figure it out that I wanted it. Um, but I, I don't regret a moment of it. I, I love my job. I go to work every day. I work with uh, fantastic people and, and I get to interact with the, the public and, and you meet some really interesting people out there too. And, you know, and, and it's not just the bad, the, the bad people that you're meeting, but you meet some people like I've, I've ran into um, past members I've had conversations with people that did uh, 30 some years inside the force or, or people that have been in the military and, and, you know, and then like you, you get the opportunity to, to talk to and educate the, the younger people coming up. Right. So there, it is very fulfilling. Um, yes. You know, like anything else, there's always going to be bad aspects of the job for sure, but that's, you know, doesn't matter where you are. If you're an astronaut and you go up to the moon and your space <laughs> shuttle breaks down, well, that's a bad aspect of that job. Right. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, like I said, like if you've got, if you've got a goal in mind and, and it's something that you want, it's, it's up to you to reach out and grab Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, I can tell this is an interesting yeah. person that I'm interviewing, not just because I know you, Travis, but because I had a bunch of questions I never got around to. That means you, you weaved a good tale, told some good stories. And well, I had two people to follow, oh, and I had to no, make sure I didn't No, do you guys can't all compare. You All three so far have been great. I love where the show is going. Um, I, pre- I appreciate yeah, you no, all it's a good show. coming on I, when uh, I asked you about a month ago or so, when I said, hey, I have this new idea. And uh, I didn't know quite where it was yeah. going to go. I see where it's kind of going, but it's mostly just, to, like I said, to get to know people who are interested, yeah. whether I know the person or not. There's no, I don't have to know you to be on the show, but... Well, I've known the first three yeah. fairly well, so. Well, I can tell you, like, so I've, I've, I didn't yeah. know your second guest there, obviously, but I, I've listened to the first two episodes, and uh, I'm going to continue to listen, man, because, like, um, it's it's really interesting. Morgana. It's actually, yeah. um, your last guest there was, I, yeah, I, I listened to her going to uh, work yeah. on, my, uh, on my way to work, and. It, it was crazy. Uh, some yep. of the stories she had there about the early COVID stuff there that she had to go through, and and the and the amount of traveling that she was still able to, um, yeah. she was able to do there in that time too. Like like 
with them shutting everything yep. down. Then that's pretty, why I'm doing it. Cool. Just for people to give their, so, like I say, it's a Wikipedia is never written by yourself. It's written by other people. This is your chance to be your own little bit of Wikipedia. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. There's other interview shows in the world. So um, that's not the goal. I just mm-hmm. like talking to people and I like to get to know people. So that's the goal of the show. And you, 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 uh, you nailed I... it. You don't have to feel bad about it. No, and, uh, and you know, it's uh, one of those things where I know from listening to, to past um, podcasts that you've had on, and I and I know, like, I've been to your plays and stuff, and I know that you're passionate about this stuff. Um, and, like, I I was kind of, like, in the air about uh, doing this and everything, about uh, coming and hawing, and then I heard the first two. Actually, it was funny. It was, like, right in the middle of, um, I think it was actually in the middle of John's. I was listening to John's. Yeah. I think I texted you and I was like, I'm in, like, I'm in. So, um, but it's one of those things where, uh, it's not so much about the job itself. It's just, uh, making sure that it's out there, that people are aware that there's options that there's, and like my, my biggest thing coming on mm-hmm. here today was like talking about the mental health and making sure that people know that there are opportunities out there that, uh, you know, you can, yeah. that, that it's being addressed. Right. So, um, and that was kind of, I think that's yep. kind of what I got from John's a little bit too, was that he was talking a lot about the mental health and, you know, at the end of the day, uh, nobody's in this world alone, right? You've got people there that can support you. You've got people that can help you. Um, and, you know, any, any day that I can help somebody get through a dark time of their life or something or, or get them some resources or some help or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, that's a win in my books, right? So, um, yeah, at the end of the day, like, the, well, there's always someone there. Um, I do know you post a lot on Facebook about joining and I know you put it out there that basically the RCMP does a good job. There's no set requirement. Like if you look like this, you're not allowed. Or if you are this tall, this short, that's gone. Yeah. Those days are, those days are the world, right, right? man? Like you said, if uh, you want to do something, there's really only one thing stopping people from doing something and that's in between their ears. (laughs) And it doesn't matter what your history is, man. It's, uh, if you feel like you could help or if you feel like that you have something to give there and it's a, a passion of yours, you know, yeah, like the only that one eight inches you between is your ears. Right. And, yeah. and, right. And, and I mean, like at the end of the day, if they come back and say, hey, like, like you're not what we're looking for, it's not something you're going to have regretting you later on in life thinking, I should have done this. At least you had an answer. And, and, and honestly, if it's something that you think is just a, you know, uh, that you don't, you don't, you're not really sure about. There's like information sessions out there. There's so many resources on Google and stuff that you can look it up. You can look up our salary. Um, we, you know, it's it's not like it's uh, it, it's like it's a hidden thing from the public. And and the reason why I say that and why I think it's actually important for the public to know that is because at the end of the day, we're working for the public, so the public should know uh, what it is that mm-hmm. uh, that we're working for, right? So. Um, yeah, man. Like, if, if you think that it's something that you want to do, there's information sessions. At least go to one of those, and, and they'll talk to you about it. Or, or like I said, next time you see a police officer on the road or whatever, or why are you running to one? Just ask them questions about their career. I mean, like, we're all more than happy to to answer those questions. There's no secret about it or anything. Like, we're, you know, Excellent. we're all in it together. So, I I know. Like I said, they're always. My interactions with RCMP have always been great. Like I said, small town, you kind of get to know them. I got stopped when I was 17. I knew a couple from curling 
and I got stopped driving a girl in grade 12 home. She lived out of town. Didn't want my parents to know after school I was driving a girl home out of town. And I got stopped on a gravel road by an officer I curl with. He knows me, my family. And I said to him, I said, uh, Ted, what are you doing out here? This is a gravel road. He said, see that GRC? It stands for Gravel Road Cop. And I laughed and he goes, does your mom yeah. know you're out here after school? Or you just, I'm like, please don't tell her. He goes, well, we'll see you curling on Monday night. We'll, we'll see how that, <laughs> it's just a great interaction. All yeah, the officers, no. whether it's city police, whatever, yeah. they, you get to know them. They, I think they're all proud of what they do. So like you said, if you ask one, how do you get into it? You want to learn more? They're going to tell you. Yeah. Well, like the majority of the majority of my friends are uh, uh, either police or fire. And I mean, without the support of the people in my life, I don't know that I would have been able to do it. And that's why um, moving forward, like I said, like I'm more than happy to help anybody that's willing to do it. And if they want to. You know, if they want to talk about it or whatever, then for sure, I'm all I'm all game and um, I'll give you the information that you're looking for and, mm-hmm. and as much as I can anyways, right? And um, But it, it's it's about you making that first step and, uh, you know, like you, you talk about <laughs> him being on the back gravel road there, but that's, that's also, that also tells you that he's uh, taking the time out of his day and his shift to go and check that's right. the people that and, you're not uh, thinking about clear, either, right? And just to be clear, GRC so, is not a uh, um, gravel road cop, it's the French for Royal Canadian. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah, it's the French, but uh, hey, the I thought that was pretty party. witty and cool. And he so, laughed. He says, "Well, keep, yeah. you know, drive safe and uh, behave yourself." But uh, yeah, it was a good time. So, Travis, with that, yeah. let's uh, wrap it up. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Like, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, like I said, we'll uh, yeah, we'll get some stories. We'll get some going on, the real life, the nitty gritty RCMP stories. Yeah. <laughs> From, yeah. from uh, corporal as much as it can be said or anyway, staff sergeant. No, you're just gonna. No, no. no. Okay, specialist no, in no. dismantling drug labs. Uh, something. <laughs> as long as it's not back down to cadet, I'll be, be happy. Teaching. Corporal teaching so. cadets. There you go. And then you can just tell stories of that. There you go. How, how goofy they are. Two left feet and all that yeah. stuff when they start. Yeah. No, man. I. But in all serious, like, uh, thanks for having me on. Like, I, I hope that this works out and, you know, you can continue well, this. And you can get when I get Connor here, McDavid on tell here, their because he and, listened uh, to the first three and went, okay, this is what it's about. It's, uh, it's. <laughs> well, if you do get Connor on there, just let him know that I, I, I may or may garbage, not pick up so. his garbage. Actually, um, I do, but <laughs> yeah. I won't tell you where he lives. Not at least on a podcast anyway. So, yeah. That's probably good because yeah, I already know where he lives. All right, Mister. Um, stay safe out there. Yeah, Keep doing what you do. Proud of you. Proud to know you. And I'm glad you took the time for doing this. Yeah, you bet. No, uh, no worries. And uh, I'll be in touch with you here shortly. Um, like I said, if there's anything more, or whatever, give me a shout. Let me know, and I'll yes, try and look. Yes, for some pass more it along as always. And to. if you're listening to this and enjoy it, pass it along. Share it. Um, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, wherever I post it, which so, is everywhere. Um, I appreciate it. So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. This has been Nels Nelson's Interesting People with Constable... I'm Nels Nelson, and thank you for listening to Nels Nelson's Interesting People. If you'd like more information on this show or other shows coming up, feel free to follow me on Twitter at AudioNels. 
Or you can go to facebook.com slash Productions, and you'll get show updates there. Also, you can email the show by going to the email button on your phone or on your computer and emailing nninterestingpeople at gmail.com for any suggestions of people you'd like me to interview or maybe you want to be interviewed on the show. Reach out to me any of those three ways. Once again, thank you for listening to Nels Nelson's Interesting People.